Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Marketing Home, Marketing You. Today, we are talking all things hiring. Let me ask you, have you ever struggled with the hiring process? I know for me, it is something that I used to really, really dread. But today, I want to introduce you to our business coach. Lauren and I have worked with David Bonney for the last couple of years, and he has really helped transform our hiring and our uh, team development process. And so because of that, I thought this is the perfect person to bring on since so many of you have talked to me about the challenges that come with not only hiring, but retaining and motivating your team. So to set the stage, this is a two-part series. You're gonna hear all things about hiring, the number one mistake that David sees many people make, and three steps that can dramatically change your hiring process. You're gonna to listen to that this week. Next week, we're gonna talk more about retaining your team and how to keep them motivated during these times. So let me introduce you to David Bonney, Prepare to have your world, at least your world in terms of team development changed. Let's go. Welcome to the Marketing Home, Marketing You podcast, a show for busy multifamily and real estate professionals that want to kick butt in their careers without sacrificing their lives or their sanity. Week after week, Barbara Savona of Sprout Marketing brings you quality conversations with industry leaders, mini marketing workshops, and step-by-step -step guides on everything marketing, business, and career growth. So grab a cup of coffee and get ready for some outside the box ideas from the girl that lives inside the shipping container box. Goose Brava? What is that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. David, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today and to really dig into all things hiring and also retaining and motivating teams. It's one of the biggest questions that we get from our Sprout members. So welcome. Great to be here. Thank you. So one of the things that, you know, as I was a property manager for years, I remember the first time my supervisor came to me and said, hey, we need to hire a leasing agent. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have no idea what to even do. So over the last 20 years, I've really realized that this is pretty standard that you have your, you know, larger hiring departments for the large management companies, but the majority are kind of left on their own. And so a lot of people hiring is just a very scary thing and they find themselves in this vicious cycle of hiring, turnover, hiring again, and not figuring out what's, you know, what's the problem. So I'd love to hear from you. What are some of the most common hiring mistakes that you see? Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's so funny, right? Because when we think about our family, we, we won't just bring anybody in. But when it comes to our work family, it seems like the gate is a lot lower and, and people come in and it can really disrupt things and, and, and we get it. And it's uh, unfortunately, there's not a lot of really good content out there on how to effectively hire people into your into your family, which is what you know, how we always approach it. So uh, for me, the, the the one thing that I will always consistently beat the drum on for everyone is the vast majority of hiring managers, they don't actually know who they're looking for. So the most common hiring mistake is not knowing who you're looking for to begin with. And you know that I call it your fit profile, who's a good fit for your team. Um, in other uh, uh, coaching groups that I lead, we call it the A player profile. How do you define what an A player would be that you would want to hire in? 
because until you, until you define them, you can't actually go out and effectively recruit them and bring them into your hiring funnel. And you're definitely not going to be able to recognize if they're sitting right in front of you because you don't have criteria to bump up against. And I think that's where you hear a lot of the, well, would you want to go get a drink with them? Would you want to spend time with them on the weekend? These vague generalities that kind of allude to what that would be, but miss the mark drastically when you're in that kind of environment because you're actually evaluating the wrong things in, in that person to see if they're a good fit for my social life, it doesn't mean that they're going to be a good fit for my professional life. I love that you started out with that kind of correlation to the family because I think about it and it's like we probably spend for many people more time with our workmates than we even do with our family. Yet you're right, like the bar for entry is a lot lower or at least less defined. So I see that as well. But what would you say to the person that says, well, I, I just don't even know where to begin when, that, when it comes to figuring out what I'm looking for. I really just am in that spot where I need to fill a seat. Yeah. So the, um, there, there's a basic three-step approach that, that, you can, that you can go off of, uh, three different sets of criteria. The first one is what's the impact that we want to go have? When, with your team and what you're trying to do in your career, what is the impact and the cause or the purpose of, of what it is that you're trying to attain? Um, if you have people that are excited about being in that industry and want to have the sim a similar impact as you in that industry, dealing with human beings who are, are, are looking for a new place to live, a community where they can find like-minded individuals, where they want to socialize or whatever it might be, your ability to clearly kind of define what that impact is and what that purpose is, is really critical. Uh, the example that I use is I would never really be a good team member if Coca-Cola or Pepsi hired me. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to stop drinking Coca-Cola and Pepsi because I think it's terrible for you. And I think it's contributing to a lot of health issues in our country. So I would not be like, passionate. Your poster child. No. Yeah, I'm not even <laughs> passionate about it. How could I wake up and try to contribute to more diabetes in the world? Probably not going to be super excited. Anybody that loves Coke, I do too, but um, I do apologize. You won't be getting any Coca-Cola sponsorships anytime soon. <laughs> no, but I get it. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So what is that commitment? What's the passion? What are we trying to go build? And I want to go find people that have a similar passion. And the only way that I can do that is try to unpack it from my own brain and be able to then uh, recognize if those people have it as well. I find that people are extremely capable. And, uh, uh, and you know, I've said this to you multiple times, Barbara, I mean, people are the most powerful resource a business has, and people are not being tapped into at the level that they should be so that they can create impact. And a lot of that is because they're not passionate about what they do and the impact that their work is having whether they're with the wrong company or if they're in the wrong industry or if they're just with the wrong team. So when we can start to solve that issue of fit, that's really important. But the key is, as a hiring manager, how do I define it first so that I can, I can invite people on this journey to go have that impact? So that's, that's criteria number one. Uh, number two is what are the core values? Uh, so often we look at the capabilities or abilities that somebody needs to have to do their role. But just because somebody's good at the technical aspect doesn't mean that we're going to work well together. And those core values are really important. And our core values are how we approach the work. Uh, you know, my core values, humble, hungry, and sharp. 
Uh, I just don't work well with people that aren't humble. People that come in and they're and they're they've got a lot of bravado and they're boisterous and they want to brag. I don't. They're not bad people. I just don't get them. I don't understand where they're coming from. So subconsciously, my trust in them kind of goes down. Um, people that aren't hungry and aren't willing to come in the office early, if we've got some stuff to get done, if I'm coming in at seven and they're coming in at eight thirty, I don't trust that you know we're going to be able to get the work done so on and so forth. So the core value side is really, really important. And I find that's where that family element really comes in. Um, because if you're going to be around a family, just like our family values and what our parents taught us, there should be a common thread of beliefs that we have in terms of how we approach our work that increases trust. And like Lencioni says on the five dysfunctions of a team, when we have high trust, that's the foundational point of every high performing team and high functioning team out there. So that's criteria number two. And the third one, you guys are good to go on this one. It's capabilities. You can write those out. And Barbara, you and Lauren love the bullet points just as much as anybody. Go ahead and make your bullet pointed list of needs to be proficient in this, needs to be able to do this, needs to be able to do that. Go ahead and get that knocked out. But it's important. But the way I see it, it's the third most important um, part of it. Because if I can find somebody that's passionate about the work and what we're trying to do, and if I can find somebody that's aligned from a core value perspective, I can teach them a lot of the capabilities that they need to a certain extent. Um, but I can get them ramped up in some areas where they might have some gaps. If they're really good on the capability side, but we're not aligned on a core value and what we're passionate about perspective, um, it is not, I, I can't train them on that. I can't teach them that. So those are your three, your three areas, passion for what we're doing, core values and capabilities. Okay, there's like so much I want to unpack and I feel I'm a little bit ahead in the sense that I've been working with you on this stuff for a long time, so it's familiar, but to kind of pause for those that might be hearing this for the first time, I remember when you brought this up to Lauren and myself, it was so opposite because for years we had started with three, with capabilities. So it was all about, well, what do they need to do? What do they need to be proficient at? And when we stopped and we did the whole, you know, what is our mission? What are we going to do? What kind of impact are we going to have? I have to be honest, it felt a little hokey at the beginning. Like it felt like, okay, like how does that really work? But now seeing it, you know, a year and a half, almost two years later, as we're refining this process, it makes so much sense. Here is what I think our property managers might say though. Okay. I'm going to be yeah, that person. Yeah. I love it. So a lot of them are, you know, just kind of, you know, the structure, they've got a property management company, they have their own community and their team. And so sometimes the hiring manager ultimately might come from corporate, but the, the team here is making a big decision, the manager. Mm -hmm. So I would like to want, or what I'm wondering is where do the core values come? Like the company might have these core values that are posted on the wall. They may or may not be living them. Yeah. But could the manager themselves with her team create almost their own set of core values since they're the ones that are going to be working together? Yeah, absolutely. It's such a great question. Uh, and the reason why I, I, I say this is such a great question is because I actually encourage everyone on any team that I've ever led, I encourage everyone to go out and define their own core values. Because when you can define your own core values, then you are more capable of going out and finding a company that's a great fit for you and or identify if your existing company is a great fit for you or not. Okay. So I, I absolutely love that. And again, if, if uh, there's a key distinction that you brought up, 
if they do have core values, but they're not living it and they're just words on the wall, then let's just be okay with that. No judgment there. They right. tried, whatever. Um, but if they do have core values up on the wall and they are trying to live them, then it's probably uh, uh, likely that you're aligned to those and you're a good fit. So you can just take those core values. Now, if they don't have them or they're not living them, your ability to go through and start to understand your own core values for, uh, for your own satisfaction with the company that you're with will also benefit you as you step into leadership positions because now you'll always be armed with a set of criteria that you can go leverage to build any team with any company that you ever work for. And that's extremely, extremely powerful. So in short, to answer that, absolutely, you have the ability to create your own core values, get clear on who you are and what you're looking for in team members uh, and leveraging that to not only build your team, but to coach your team as well uh, after, you, after they're hired, because obviously core value development is ongoing. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. I feel like, you know, we don't want to label that the entire industry is just putting something on the wall. There are many companies that are living it and doing the best they can. But I also want to empower that manager that maybe feels like there's, hey, like, there's that impact that we're making on residents' life. You know, that work order that we do to fix an apartment, it's not just a leaky faucet and check. It's about how does that change the stress level of that stay at home or that, you know, working mom for that day. So I, I love that we're kind of talking in terms of that impact because it's not just the team, but it's all the people that make up the, the community. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So then I remember that early on you had us do an exercise and I don't know if we we're going to talk about this, but I think it'd be really tangible for someone. Yeah. And if I recall right, it was basically getting into what we like or what we, and what we don't like, like past experiences that we've had. How can, can you talk about that exercise and why you encourage people to do that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, the process of going through and figuring out your core values. And it was similar to what you just said there, Barbara. It's, uh, you know, yeah, everybody's doing the best they can. And what I find with most companies is it's not, if they've got core values and they're not living them, it's not that there's anything serious going on, uh, which is sometimes what I hear. Oh, you know, they're just not, they're not, they're living, not living it. it. <laughs> there you go, right? It's like, it's oh. Like the soap opera voice comes out. That's right, that's right. Dramatic. <laughs> dramatic music comes in, right? <laughs> and it's it's really something where the core values that were created were created in a way, um, they were created in an ineffective way. So those core values don't actually resonate with them. So they don't naturally live them. You can't force yourself to be a different human being on a daily basis. And that's what you ultimately end up having to do if the set of core values that have been created for the business are out of alignment with who you really are. So as I've seen this, I've gone through this process for probably over a decade now. Uh, I've seen so many companies actually have a set of core values that are not aligned. And what I've developed over the years is what I call an unpacking process. Because what we want to do is your core values, the core values that you live by, they're already inside of you. We don't need to go make them up. The only thing we need to do is unpack them out of your brain. We just need to get them out. But because that's how you naturally live your life, they're so obvious to you that they don't just, they don't just blare out. It's like, I, no, that's, of course, that's the way you live life. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't understand. 
So the unpacking process is extremely important. And what we leverage, it's, it's a proven psychological uh, um, uh, uh, process where you use a, uh, the method of, I understand what I do want as soon as I can get clear on what I don't want. That's why the don't wants in our life are so powerful and so beautiful because then it allows us to get even clearer on what we do want. So then the step is, and we're all very acutely aware of what we don't want in life, right? Like that's, that, that stuff sticks out like a needle in our side. We go through a process on one side of a sheet of paper. We think through colleagues, team members, what, who have I worked with where things just didn't fit that I just didn't like how they operated. Now, we use the word fit because we don't want judgment to come into this and don't feel guilty about judging it. You're not judging others. You're identifying that how I live and how I want to do work is different than how others, which is totally natural and normal, and it's completely fine. So I have no guilty conscience around this at all. There's no negative uh, judgment happening here, but it's a way for you to say, well, yeah, I didn't like this. I didn't like it when this person would go do this uh, um, uh, when they hit their goals, or I didn't like the way that this person was consistently late or, you know, whatever that might be. Let's outline all the things that we don't want or don't like about, uh, people that we've worked with in the past. Now you take that list on the left-hand side of the sheet of paper and we use the right-hand column to take every single one of those and we turn them into what we do want. Mm -hmm. Right. People that are in, instead of, you know, people that are consistently late and not motivated, what I do want is hungry people who are highly motivated and get in early and attack the day or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, you create the opposite list there and then allow the momentum to go to continue to outline other things that you do want in your team members. And now you got a good long list of all the things that you do want that you've packed, unpacked out of your brain and now sitting right in front of you. The step after that, that's the fun part. This is where we do something called an infinity mapping. So what you can do is write them all down on sticky notes and go up to a wall and take each one that might be similar and start to group them together. Because if you have a list of 20 to 25 things, I'll bet there's probably five common themes in those 25 things. So start grouping them together so you have a nice consolidated list of what you're looking for and then name that thing. And that's a core value. The consolidated sticky notes, um, the five consolidated sticky notes are now humble. These five are now hungry. These five are now sharp. Um, uh, these five are impact, right? We go through, we create a solid theme. You don't want 20 core values. You don't want 10 core values. You probably want no more than six because if it's more than that, you can't really memorize it. Um, but that's, that is a proven process that I've leveraged with all of the companies that I've, that I've worked with um, all, all of the companies that I've worked within and all of the large teams that I've built, um, and obviously within my own life. And it's, it's proven to be really, really effective. Okay. So for me being kind of skeptical at the beginning, this was one of my favorite exercises that we did together. And I think that what I would love to say to those that are listening is that as a property manager, you mentioned that, you know, all the things we teach, these are things that people get to carry with them. So, learning this was very cool because I could now use it in so many different areas, even of life. Like what are commonalities and relationships that maybe I don't like or that I do like? Yeah. And what I want to just kind of put a button on is that a lot of times I see teams and managers and groups and they keep 
bumping up against the same frustrations with their team, but because they don't stop to do this kind of an evaluation, they're like, man, this person was a hundred percent different than the last, but they're doing the same things that I don't like. And so when we did this together, it was really easy to come up with like what employees, like you said, it wasn't a personality necessarily. It was an alignment and it let us identify that to like where we then came up with, okay, we want people that have a growth mindset that want to serve and want to make an impact. But to kind of give people the flip side of it, when we were thinking about um, the opposite where we started, I remember growth specifically, it was like somebody that is, doesn't take um, feedback well. They're like, what? Like, I, no, you can't tell me, like get defensive. And it was funny because it took a minute to say, oh, that's not a growth mindset, but that was a, a, a something that we didn't want to see that helped us really get clear on, like you said, what was the core, which was we want people that want to grow, which means that they'll be open to feedback, open to taking new suggestions and doing things a new way. So yeah. I just wanted to emphasize how what my experience was for maybe somebody that's having a hard time visualizing, like, what does that look like in, you know, in their team? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so funny to me the way the vast majority of businesses the amount of time that they will spend, the time and money that they will spend in trying to create a target customer, right? Like oh, for marketing, that's a relationship. We got to go figure, who do we want? Who wants us? Let's go do, get clear on that so we can market to them and they, it, our message resonates with them so that they end up, you know, uh, um, uh, 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 coming to our front door. It's the same thing, if not even more important in this area. You, you just can't imagine how, uh, how much return you'll get on the investment of however much time you spend trying to get this a player profile fit profile whatever you want to call it get getting that dialed in for your business for your team for your life like you said on the personal side it will stay with you forever because uh, it's really about your genetic code and when you can match codes up and they they work together everything is just easier Yes, and I think that the the second like aha moment that was really freeing for myself when you know when you're really passionate you put a lot of emotion and that sometimes I think can get in the way. Yeah. And what you really taught with this was it is an alignment issue. So we don't have to be disappointed. This is some that this is just core values not matching up and I think when you said that it's like there is no huge emotion or zero judgment. It literally is about alignment. And what I've seen is beyond the hiring, the alignment conversation takes us into the life of our employee relationships. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Okay, so I feel like we've given people some really good nuggets about some of the mistakes that they might make and ways to those three steps to really get clear. And I think for anyone that says they don't have time to do this, what would you say to somebody that says, I don't have time to get clear on that stuff. I just need to find a, a warm body. Yeah, I mean, I would say <laughs> I agree, um, especially for those of us that love wasting so much time engaging in drama and uh, uh, miscommunication and lack of productivity on our team because this root issue of fit is just getting in the way continuously. Um, the way that I see it, you're gonna spend time either way. Uh, you're just gonna spend a lot more time for a lot longer period dealing with the ramifications of you not getting clear on who is the right fit for your team uh, versus this over here. And, and I do completely understand to, to, to be, um, uh, uh, very practical about this. 
the teams that actually have the worst, uh, the worst alignment issues are the teams that have the, the most chaos going on. And teams that are highly chaotic, it's a catch-22. Well, you need me to spend this time to get rid of this, but I don't have time because of this. And I completely get that. And I totally understand that. But at a certain point, we all make a decision uh, as leaders to say, enough is enough. I, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm going to put in the extra time and resources to finally nip this in the bud and get this figured out and start to do something differently. And this next person that we bring on board is going to be more in alignment with what I'm looking for. Not perfect alignment. It'll just be more. And every hire you make, if you just try to make them ensure that they're more aligned to what you're looking for, more aligned to what you're looking for, you'd be surprised um, at how much uh, traction you would get on that. Um, not to mention, by the way, if I may, I will offer up this, this little insight. People don't actually wake up in the morning saying, gosh, darn it, how can I be unsuccessful today? <laughs> That's true. I just really frustrate my team and my boss. <laughs> They, they just don't, the vast majority of the population does not do that. So the other thing I will say is when you can actually get clear on this, you actually eliminate your team from now needing to be mind readers, which is what the majority of team members need to be. And if you don't know your, your boss's core values, you feel like a, 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 you need to be a mind reader. To give our people clear criteria, no need to worry about if I'm in a good mood, a bad mood, not around, whatever as long as you're aligned to these things, as long as you're humble every day and you're coming in hungry and you're attacking our problems and you're being as sharp as you can and attacking those problems, you're good. Everything's fine. It gives everybody a release to say, well, I want to be successful. Now I know how I need to operate on a daily basis to be successful. That is really empowering. And I'm really thankful for that. And, you know, as, as we've talked about all, I believe all problems are leadership problems. It's a great conversation to come in and say, Hey, I'm going to own it. I haven't actually given you the criteria of what I'm looking for. And you've had to guess, I'm going to own that. And I, that's not good for you. And that's not, that, that hasn't helped you. And I'm going to stop that. And here's now I'm going to help you by giving you this set of criteria and why I'm looking for it and why it's helpful and um, put you in a position to now choose. If you want to be successful, you can be. So guys, if you just felt like you got punched in the stomach, don't worry. I also felt that way, but it was the punch that I needed. So when David said that about employee problems being a leadership problem, it was really good for me to say, you know, when your team is running around saying, well, is this what success looks like? Well, is this what we measure? That it leads to such uncertainty. And so really defining those core values is actually freeing up your team to go out there and know what to do without this huge rule book that allows them to make decisions that are aligned. So <laughs> I just wanted to say like that, we've heard that, that, that line many times, but it was always needed because the clarity that isn't there is a leadership issue. And when you provide that clarity, it's incredible. I mean, we've seen a complete shift in our team. We had a good team before, but the changes that have come from it have been huge. All right, guys, there you have it. Part one of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. You can go to marketinghomemarketingyou.com to find this episode and the resources along with it. 
Now, next week, we're gonna dig into retaining and motivating our teams, especially during these specific times. So it's not what you think, it's not just a bunch of gimmicks or you know incentives to keep teams motivated. In fact, David has a really clear strategic way to continue to keep teams motivated, and it's something that you can do on a weekly basis. So you're gonna to wanna to tune in. All right, guys, see y'all next week. Bye.